This is the Jocko Underground Podcast, number 61, sitting here with Echo Charles. And the last one, we talked about how your name or the name you give people or the nickname you give people or the name you give a team might impact the way that they act and what they do in their life. Similar thing here, the Pygmalion effect. This is a psychological phenomenon where high expectations of someone led to their improved performance. Conversely, low expectations lead to worse performance. This is from something called academy4sc.org. It's an educational website. This is where I took this information, stole this information, stole these quotes from, but that's who it is. So I'm citing them, citing their reference that we can talk about. The name Pygmalion refers to a Greek myth about a talented sculptor. As the story goes, Pygmalion fell in love with one of his creations, an ivory statue of a woman. Thanks to some divine intervention, the statue came to life and he later married her. His expectations became his reality. So that's the key point there. Expectations become reality. The Pygmalion effect was first noted by psychologist Robert Rosenthal and elementary school principal Lenore Jacobson in a 1965 study called Pygmalion in the Classroom. Researchers told teachers that a select group of their elementary school students had a high potential for exceeding their expected academic success based on an intelligence test. However, the results of the intelligence test were not disclosed to the teachers, and the growth spurters, as they were called, were selected at random. Rosenthal and Jacobson predicted that teachers might subconsciously favor the students who were expected to overachieve, perhaps by paying closer attention to their work or offering more help when they struggled with an assignment. The study found that the randomly selected growth spurters did, in fact, perform better than other students, despite there being no statistical difference in their intelligence scores. So there you go, straight up. It's another indication of how and this is something that's just been shocking me for the last few years, how pliable people's minds are. Just how people can be so easily influenced by what's happening around them. And in this case, the teachers are getting influenced by what they're told, who's smart, and the students are being influenced by them being told by the teachers. It's just a one big lie. <laughs> the Pygmalion f- effect is a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. Again, this is back to ac- academy for sc.org a self-fulfilling prophecy is when a person expects or predicts an outcome and subconsciously aligns their behaviors to meet that expected outcome simply because they believe that it has to come true the teachers in the pygmalion in the classroom study believed that certain students would perform better and inadvertently willed this outcome into existence with their teaching strategies The Pygmalion effect also works in the reverse direction. If teachers were told that a cohort of students would underperform, they likely would have subconsciously devoted less attention to these students, causing these students' achievement to decrease. Such a, and it seems real obvious, right? Doesn't it seem obvious? Yeah. Especially with kids? Yeah. But it's just across the board. And yet, even though it's obvious, think about how Think about how sometimes you're in a leadership position or you see someone in a leadership position and you see how they're treating people and you know it's gonna have a negative effect. Mm. You just know it's gonna have a negative effect and yet you still see that taking place. Mm -hmm. Uh, So treating people in a way that you anticipate their good performance, having a positive attitude about something, how hard is that? Have you ever tricked yourself with like a positive attitude? Yes. They, 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 they had something in Bud's basic SEAL training. They'd say false motivation is better than no motivation. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a joke. And sometimes they'd be like, oh, I can tell this is false motivation. You're going to break. Like they would say that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know what's true? False motivation is better than no motivation. Mm-hmm. It 100% is. Yeah. And you could hear like one person would start acting fired up. Just acting literally. Yeah. And then that would kind of go through yeah and i probably do that all the time yeah you know yeah i don't really feel like doing this but you know what watch this yeah i want to do it that's what i was doing uh football when i was in uh pop warner football what would you do just yell like so in color so i played for the color rams oh hell yeah and the color raiders salute two different ages right or age groups so color rams they are coach 
had a policy that we would when we do our grass drills and our yields we drills we had to yell mm-hmm. just to I guess it would get us fired up mm-hmm. or whatever. When we went up to the next level, we didn't have to do that. I mean, good for him since the dawn of war. Right, has been a yell, a scream, yeah. like an assault. We're gonna attack. We're gonna like so. Yeah, I, I think that was a really good move because that's Pee Wee's is the younger guys. It's yeah. like nine to eleven. Ah! Yeah, everything. <laughs> yell. You have to yell, otherwise you're not doing it right. Yeah. And then and also he had us in uniform like we all had to wear long white so it was like he had us in uniform more than the other teams too oh, so yeah. i think that that was a good move. this dude was squared away yeah, I, he's a good yeah, coach i think so so anyway um so we got trained into that so i was i was down to do it and i saw like yeah it does help you it gives you energy to do you know like when you're going to jail you're kind of fired, tired but if you have to yell it like actually gives you energy mm-hmm. fault some false energy better than no energy yeah. right so uh, we went up to midgets. They didn't require all that. Mm-hmm. But every time that I never didn't feel like doing it or whatever, like I'd, I'd just like do that. I'd like yell because some people would still yell. Yeah. I don't know. It was like Pop Warner. So whatever. You just yell. So when I would do that or there's this one, it's basically like the football version of sprawls. Right. Yeah. But you hit your chest on the on the ground and get back up mm-hmm. and run in place. <laughs> yes. And then I'd hit the ground as hard, like hard, like a hard impact, you know, which is kind of the same effect. Right. I just do that. But it was it was just because I didn't feel like it. But when you did it, it would like kind of make you fired up and give you a lot of energy. Same there you deal. go. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of energy. Yes. For an individual, you can use that. But also as a leader, as a f- parent as a mom or a dad giving that kid treating that kid truly treating that kid like they're special in this certain way which is you know everyone's like oh everyone's special now no we're not talking about that but saying hey you could do awesome in this there's I've, i've also the little contrary to this is if you've ever heard that um advice which i've actually given before you don't i don't like you do good you're 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 ten years old. You do good in a jujitsu tournament. I don't say. I shouldn't say. Oh, Echo, you're so talented. Mm. What I should say is, hey, your hard work really paid off. Yeah. You practiced hard and it really came through. Yeah. You're so focused. It's so that there's a difference here, yeah. right? So this is not to say, oh, Echo, you're so talented, you just have a natural gift for this, because mm-hmm. then you're gonna try and ride that, or there's a possibility. And I rewarded that, I, I praised your talent, right? which is something you don't actually have any control over. Mm-hmm. You have control over how hard you work. So if I'm praising your hard work, I'm praising your focus. So that's something to be careful of here. You know, We're not saying just go out and false cheerlead your kids and be like, hey, you're so talented and gifted, you're so special, we're not saying that. Hmm. Say, hey, your hard work is going to pay off. Oh, the way that you push yourself, yeah. that's legit. Yeah. You ever done that with a little kid? Yes. Like, hey, the way you push yourself is really, that's, that's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's very fun to watch that take yeah. effect, too. Yeah. I do. That's what we got to do. All right. Well, so there you go. Let's let's set that up right in life, man. Set your yeah. team up right. Set your kids up right. Every little thing you say to them. That's the weird thing. When you when you go when you explore this a little bit deeper, it's these little subtle things. Yeah. It's little subtle things. Like even the way, you know, Jade comes into practice and I kind of think he's a little bit of a slacker. Mm-hmm. And Echo comes into practice, but I think Echo's got potential. You know, like my eyes. Yeah. And I'm like, Echo, how you you know, hey Jade, oh Echo, how you doing, champ? You know, like that yeah. kind of thing. Same kind of thing. That little subtle difference. And Jade feels a little bit dejected, and Echo's a little bit happy. So now yeah. Echo knows I'm getting praised. Well, how hard is he pushing the sprints? Goes a little bit harder. Jade's, yeah. Jade does. He's kind of slacking. Yep. And it's just these little things that subconsciously get absorbed by the kid or the team member. Yeah. They get absorbed, and next thing you know, they're impacting the way people behave. Yeah, and isn't that weird how sometimes, and obviously there's so many things in plays, it's hard, or in play that you can't really keep track of it, because sometimes it can kind of do the opposite, right? Where, like, you know how... I'll, yeah, you could get the, I'll show you. Yes, yeah. so I'll do that with my, my son, mm-hmm. but he knows I'm doing that. He'll, he'll be like, hey, you think I can jump? So we have this little trampoline. It's mm-hmm. called a rebounder. It's like a therapeutic trampoline. It's pretty good. 
And so he puts this soccer ball and he's trying to jump over the soccer ball to the other side of basically the soccer ball. It's pretty far. So he's like, this is for example, he'll be like, hey, you think I can jump over the soccer ball? And I'm like, I say, no, no, that's way too far for you. And then, but he can see and I can see on his face, yeah. he knows that I'm just messing with him. So of course he wants to show me, right? Yeah. But that sometimes can go into like the serious realm where like, I don't know, maybe the, the kid rejects the, the father figure mm-hmm. and is like, I'll show him, you know? Yeah, so it's like almost like a rebellion almost for kind sure. of thing. Bro, I had that. With my yourself, and, yeah, no, with my dad, because oh. he did, and he doesn't even know it. Um, he's he's about to find out. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't realize it till Jade pointed it out to me. So, my dad would always say, it, not always, but everyone sometimes he would use this when you know the classic get your kid to eat all his dinner, mm-hmm. right? Like you know, eating all your dinner. So the way he would challenge me or provoke me into eating all my dinner would be like, oh, look at Jade. He's eating all his dinner. That's why he's bigger than you. Because Jade was born bigger than me, just like by, I don't know, one pound or something like this. He's like a quarter inch taller than me. He's like, Mm -hmm. he's always been that way. So of course, growing up, he's always like five pounds bigger than me, Mm -hmm. 100%, like until basically until a certain point. So he would always say that shit. (laughs) 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 And... I think it fucked with me, to be honest with you, because I was always like more aggressive. I was always more likely to like get in a fight. I was always like, um, even in, in young kid football, I was like more aggressive. Uh Like the coach even knew he was like, Hey, it's weird how you're like more aggressive than your brother. It's Uh like just aggressive. Jade was super good at football, but I had more of that, like almost Mm. like angry kid. Killer instinct. Yeah. More so. Mm. Um, and not fully, you know. I was always like a normal, like pretty mellow, but comparatively speaking, I was more. And then when we got into lifting weights, like, bro, I could, like, I was a little bit stronger than him in certain things. And then when, when we were done playing football, I just got into lifting weights, got into jujitsu, like compared to his personality, you know? And he pointed out, he was like, no, cause dad used to always do that kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd be like, Hey, um, like Jade would volunteer to do stuff like, Hey, can you guys sweep this patio right here? Like, can you guys do it? And then Jade would be like, okay. And he, I think, according to him, he felt the pressure as the old, quote unquote, older one, <laughs> 15 minutes older. <laughs> he felt the pressure, you know, from uh-huh. my dad in other ways. So he would say, okay, I'll do it. And he'd do it. And my dad would say, see, always Jade volunteering to do the work. He'd say that kind of shit to me. Like, so it didn't have the same impact with you on the work side. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Just the jack and seal yep, side. Just the lifting weights part. The, the finishing your dinner because that's why Jade always be bigger than you. That really bothered yeah. me. The volunteering the to sweep the patio. Good like, luck, Jade. <laughs> have at it, brother. Good job. Oh, Jack. Yeah, there is there is that. Weird. that well, we also covered on this podcast psychological reactants, which yeah. is yeah. when you get told to do something, you kind of want to rebel against it. That's yeah. a natural human instinct that we have. Yeah. So that's. That's real. You just gotta really pay attention to the impact that you're having on people. Like yeah. you really do, especially your kids. But it's the same with your with your team too. Yeah. Especially, you know, if you're the CEO of a company and, and it's a big company and people don't see you all the time and when you they do see you like you're the you're the boss. Mm. You gotta be careful what you say and you gotta think about what you say and you gotta utilize it to have a positive result instead of just being an idiot. Yeah. So real man it is all right let's get to some questions first question i love the extreme ownership method of leading and being led but i've been in an interview in an interview before where i wanted to state the points of extreme ownership example cover and move decentralized command prioritize and execute and i completely draw a blank aka the four laws of combat when i hear it on the podcast i always know exactly what you're saying i somehow can't remember when needing to tell someone else what's my or what's your advice uh, okay, cool. Pretty pretty straightforward. Um, I, I, I hope you've read the books, Extreme Ownership, Dichotomy Leadership, Leadership Strategy and Tactics. So that's just to make sure you have a little bit um, of backstory besides just the podcast. Because uh, you say when I hear it on the podcast, I know I always know exactly what you're saying. Uh, so start with like the, the, the level one answer here is rote memorization of these things, of these definitions, right? You literally make flashcards, warrior kid style, and you can spout off like a robot the definitions that you're talking about. Cover move, decentralized command, prioritize, execute. Simple, which is not in there because maybe you drew a blank on that one. Um, and, and that's cool. That's like a good place to start. It's a legitimate good place to start. The, what worries me a little bit about this is 
be, so you should do that. You should literally memorize some definitions. That being said, what you really want to do is you really want to kind of truly understand what these things really mean so that you can explain these terms in your own words off the top of your head at any given time without even a moment's hesitation. That's the ideal. So how are you going to get there? Well, first and foremost, I would start with writing actually writing out what these so you made the flashcards the flashcards are probably gonna be based on the books right you're gonna pull out the books you go okay what's extreme ownership let me write down the definition or close it let me let me pull out some highlights from the books about what the definitions are cool once once you've done that now you're gonna write out what these what these terms mean to you in your own words in your own words you want to be able to tell stories maybe one or two stories about these principles from your own experiences that reflect the principles and 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 what you're trying to convey through those principles so if you work in a if you're a drywaller and you say oh you know we were going to drywall this house when i got there we didn't have enough drywall, but I knew that we had to get it done that day. So I took the truck and I went down to Home Depot and I got more drywall and came back and we were able to get the job done. That's what I like. That's decentralized command. I was able to make things happen because I understood the mission. So you, you, you tell some stories from your own experiences that reflect the principles. And that's going to be very helpful. And when you can do that, once you've written those down, now you're well on your way to be able to explain these things, explain these theories, explain these principles off the top of your head. Um, another thing that you can do is when you're trying to explain these things to people is you can ask them earnest questions about the context of what they live in, right? So if I'm trying to teach Echo, I might not necessarily say, Echo, you need to understand decentralized command. What I might say is, hey, Echo, you know how you the other day you were at the dry you were got to the building we needed a drywall and there was not enough drywall there and what do you say he goes yeah and I said remember how you just went down on your own cognition and made it happen got some more you used your own credit card you knew I'd pay you back because we need to get it done and you say yeah that's decentralized command you were able to make that decision because you knew what the mission was mm-hmm. oh okay so you ask these kind of questions and people start to understand what the principle is instead of beating them upside the head with the principle and trying to dictate it to them. So that's about it, man. Get more engaged in these things, write about them. It really helps to write things out. It really helps out to write out these answers and forces you to organize your thoughts in a way that's gonna make it easier for you to recall them in the future. Keep getting after it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that, that's, a, that's super smart of you guys to, or you, yeah, you guys to give these elements like a name. Yeah. Because you can like totally recognize it. You can be like, oh, I saw what I did or what they did or what I, you, when you see them in action, you can like label them. It's like, oh, that was some cover move right there on that one, you know? So it like makes your thoughts in there for planning your behaviors or your strategy to behave yeah. with, with groups of people like way better. Makes it a lot easier to fight the enemy when you have, when he has a name. Right. Yeah, yeah. So. that's true. It's almost like a playbook. Yeah, it is, 100%. Saying the I mean, Dean and I do that. Dean has like certain moves in jiu-jitsu. Hey, dude, he's got right. like a code word almost, but I know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. Huh? So, Next question. Jocko, I've got a pretty difficult question to ask. My fiance recently decided to leave me. We were together for five years. I currently feel nothing but pain and regret. Regret. We didn't end on bad terms. She just told me she needs some time to find herself and better herself. I understand things happen and people change. I just wanted to know what should I do to cope or get over this? I've restrained from turning to booze like I would have in the past, but every every day that temptation is in the back of my mind. I just want this pain to stop. Avoiding all self-destructive behavior has been my focus and it's starting to get draining. I want to have the energy to get after it, but I can't seem to find it. Just want all-around advice for the situation. Your podcast has been a great outlet for me to help through this difficult time. Thanks. 
Okay, uh, a couple things here. Um, to start off with, what you're feeling right now is normal, okay? This is not some weird thing that only you're feeling, that you're alone, and you. this is the worst thing that's ever happened, and you feel worse than anybody else. No. You lost someone that you cared about, and when that happens, it's very normal for people to feel like it's the end of the world. That's a very common thing. It happens to everybody, but it's not the end of the world. It's, it, everyone has been through this, all right? Most people have been through this more than once. This is, this is what is going on, right? This is life. It happens to everybody. So you got these things going on. You got these emotions. And, and uh, I've done, I talked about it on a podcast a while ago. Somebody made a cool video of it, me talking about the waves of emotion that you go through. And what's scary is in the beginning, when it's close to the impact point, these waves are out of control. These waves of emotion, you don't have any control over them. Just being a big ocean storm, you can't control. It's knocking your boat over. You're getting flipped around. You can't see anything. And that's scary. But over time, those waves are going to settle down. They're going to become less frequent. This is going to happen. And look, you might be you might be getting hit by these waves for months. You can get be, be getting hit by these waves for months. And if you're not careful, you can it can be even longer than that. So this is where the not this is where we get careful. This is what we're going to do. First of all, remember that she's not who you thought she was. Right? She's not who you thought she was. For the very fact that you just thought you guys were going to be together forever and she was your fiance and you were going to get married, well, that well, you thought that that was the truth and it wasn't the truth. She didn't want to do that. You have a fantasy in your head right now about who you wanted her to be and who you thought she was, but that person doesn't actually exist. Doesn't, it doesn't exist. And that can be one of the hardest things to swallow because we wanted so bad for it to exist and it just doesn't exist. So we got to walk away and not look back, okay? This is, it's over. It's over. Walk away, not, don't look back. That's, that's what you're doing. You're walking away. Okay, cool. That's over. I'm going to walk away and not look back. And I'm going to get hit with some waves of emotion sometime, but I'm not going to get, I'm going to start to let those things dissipate because you know what? The person that I wanted to marry actually wasn't the person that I thought she was. So walk away, don't look back. That's hard. I get it. I've, I've had conversations with people like, why well, go walk away, don't look back. They're like, I'm trying. <laughs> right? It's freaking hard. There's a tractor beam. Is that the right word? Star Trek style? Sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. There's a there's a a vortex of hope that keeps pulling you back. And maybe it will work. Or it's a vortex of guilt of what did I do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. Or you may have done something wrong, but guess what? The fact is, she didn't want to be with you anymore. That's the reality of the situation. So, what are we doing now? Tim Ferriss had a great comment. Get out of your head and get into your body, right? This is a very smart thing from a very smart human. Get out of your head, man. You're in your head thinking about all the things you miss, all these. It's like, uh, I think it was the last, last underground we did. I was talking about having an open mind or how you mentioned having a closed mind when too many things are coming in there, messing things up. You might be in that situation. You got your head, it's filled up, it's all these bad thoughts are coming in there. Okay, we're gonna stop that. How are we gonna stop that? We're gonna get into our body. We're gonna get on a regular sleep schedule. We're gonna wake up at the same time every day. When we wake up, when the alarm clock goes off, we're getting out of bed. And look, I know this sounds like this little meaningless thing, but I'm telling you, this is what we need to do. This is how you get into your body. You're gonna get up at the same time every day. When you get up, you're gonna go and do some kind of exercise. You're gonna do calisthenics, you're gonna go for a run, you're gonna go for a walk, you're gonna do yoga. I don't really care what you do, but that, that's what you're gonna do. That's what you're gonna do. You're gonna clean up the freaking diet because life is better when you are eating clean. It's a huge impact on the way you feel. And look, you have a, you, there's a one way that you feel after you eat a donut and I know it feels good for 20 minutes, and it's a lie. 
When you actually eat clean for three, four, five days, you start to feel a different way, and it is a much better way. So clean up your diet. You're gonna start training jujitsu, and look, oh yeah, of course, jujitsu's the answer to everything. Oh yeah, right? Oh, Joe, what do you do? Oh, my, you know, my, my pet dog just died. What should I do? Train jiu-jitsu. Oh, my girlfriend broke up me. Train jiu-jitsu. There's a reason that I'm saying this over and over again. Because jiu-jitsu is good for you. It's good for your mind. It's good for your body. It's going to give you confidence. It's going to give you exercise. It's going to give you a mental break because you can't think about anything else when you're doing jiu-jitsu. It's going to introduce you to a whole new group of people that you don't know right now. So we're going to go and do that. You're going to find a place to train. You're going to schedule to go do things that are out of the domicile, right? Get out of your house. When you're sitting in your house, when you don't have any stimulation, you're going to be trapped in your own head. And we're we're not doing that right now. We're going to go grocery shopping. We might go grocery shopping every day. I might go grocery shopping at six o'clock at night every day, get home from work at four, uh, you know, take a little breather, stretch. Get done with that. I'm going to go to the grocery store every single day at 6 o'clock. I'm going to go buy, find something cool to eat. I'm going to go back and I'm going to make dinner. Clean food. I might go to yoga at 6 o'clock. I might take the dog for a walk every day. I might go and help clean up the neighborhood park. We're going to get out of the mind and into the body. We're going to make a schedule. We're going to stick to, stick to it. And all these things that we're doing are all making you better as a human being. They're making you better as a human being. And as you get better as a human being, you are going to get better. And none of this stuff is easy, man. And once again, what you're feeling, you're brilliant, you're broken hearted. She broke your heart. There's a term, it's broken hearted. There's a reason that term exists. Because people go through it. And they go through it one, two, three, five, seven times in their lives. And it's going to make you a little bit better. You learned. You grew. You're going to heal. You're going to go back. And you're going to find somebody else eventually. And as I said to one young man who was brokenhearted, I was talking to him on the phone, a young man who was brokenhearted, and I said, oh, you know, I go, you know, this happened to me when I was your age. I had my heart broken by, uh, uh, I don't even remember her name anymore. That's what I said, and he started laughing, and it's the truth. You will get to a point where this individual won't matter anymore. But you got to get out of your head, get into your body, get on the path, man. Life is so much better when you got the discipline going, when you got the exercise going, when you got good sleep going on, when you're eating clean. Come on, man. You're going to feel so much better. So much better. And you're going to be all right, bro. That's what I got. You ever heard the expression revenge body? Uh, I, I have not heard it before, okay. but I understand it as soon yes. as you said it. So I've heard it in the context. Usually it's the the females, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, they're real and they can use, I don't know, I, I can't speak for all females, but all the times I've heard of it is from the girls saying, I'm, I'm going to um, get a revenge body. Mm-hmm. So it's basically when they transform themselves yeah. physically, right, to show them, look what yeah. you missed out on, right? Which is kind of an ironic thing because the he's... Kind of not missing out on it because if he was still with you, you wouldn't be motivated to do a revenge body. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? So it's, anyway, that's what. But what do you think about that as an approach? Because it almost seems like, hey, kind of like in a real short term, like motivation kind of way, that might be viable. If it's going to help you the short term, but that short term isn't going to get you through a big heartbreak like this homeboy's going through right here. Yeah. You know what I'm I, I always thought that because um, when I'd feel that these kinds of ways and that it would actually be with anything like anytime i just wasn't i was mad at something or or sad about something like i'd go in like well after puberty obviously but i'd go and lift weights and i'd always feel better because i knew you know whatever but when you think about it if you're gonna if this guy is gonna be like hey, i'm gonna do a revenge body or revenge transformation whatever you call it it would help in the short term right and if he embraced because if he transforms himself 
he'll kind of like self-actualize in a way, you know, where it's like, oh, damn, like, I feel better about myself because a lot of times that's what it is, right? Where it's like, oh, my gosh, she completes me and now she's gone and therefore I'm half the person. And then you realize after a while, after you improve yourself, you're like, oh, damn, I think I kind of like. I don't need some. I kind of dodged girl. a bullet. Yeah, you know, yeah, you. yeah, and you'll realize all that kind of stuff sometimes. <clears throat> so if you start with the motivation with revenge body, but then you get into shape, maybe you should read some books, maybe start hanging around with your bros, supportive bros yeah. more. You're doing jujitsu. You start to realize a little some confidence stuff. going on. Exactly right. So what started as revenge turned out to be just a little boost onto the right, right. path. You see what I'm saying? Hey, if that helps out, homeboy, cool. Let's not let that be our only, you know, driving force because it will, it might not last. Yeah, yeah. What was that movie with the um, Ashley Judd? I think. But her name su- is. hey, success is the best revenge, revenge right? You yeah. Know, like, oh, I can't believe this guy, you know, did this to me. Cool. Be, go be successful. Yeah. What movie are you talking about? What random crappy movie? Uh, yeah, I'm discussing? trying to think. Is the does the analogy hold up? Kind of. Well, this one time she was training. It's Double Jeopardy is what it's called. The one where she got convicted of murdering her husband. Turns out the husband framed her for his own murder and then started another family somewhere else. She got convicted, goes to jail. She finds out. And then there was a lawyer in jail said, hey, you can actually get, when you get out of here, you can kill him because you already did all your time. You can get get off scot-free. So get out of here and go kill him. And she's like... Cool. She starts like training and stuff. So oh, anyway, yeah. when there's one scene, she's good, like good training. montage scene. <laughs> she's training for the revenge murder, and the girl yells out, "You're running on pure vengeance," or I don't know, some, something like that. But she was training. And she, what did she say to that? You damn right, I am. <laughs> I don't know what she said. I, I forget. But how much time did she do? I don't know. I forget. Okay. But it was. It, that's actually uh, Tommy Lee Jones. said no, it's pretty good. Legitimate. Was he the up. lawyer? No, he was the. He's the husband. Cop. He was like a cop, like, no, he was the halfway Sympath- house. Sympathetic cop? He ended up being sympathetic. Jack. Yeah, it was good. All right. Well, hey, dude, don't, you're out there. Don't be doing any revenge murder stuff, right? <laughs> we're not doing that. Yes. Don't. We're going to live a good life. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. We're, yeah, and actually wish that girl the best. It's one of the best things you can do is, hey, good luck. I hope everything works out for you. And just delete her number from your phone. Yeah. I say that again. Delete her number from your phone. She's gone. Forget yeah. about it. Time to move on. Let's go get after it. Hey, so in a way, when I, I'm thinking a little bit more about this revenge body scenario. So actually revenge body or revenge transfer, whatever you want to call it, is actually better than, because you know how some guys, they can slip into the the the, the trap of like, oh, I'm going to improve myself to get her back. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And then even if she comes back, you're already going down the wrong path already. See what I'm saying? Yeah. You Potentially. You're, you're, you're opening up with a bad foundation for a relationship. Yeah, bad foundation. Oh, it's tricky, man. Yeah. These relationships. Next question. Jocko, earlier this year, I quit my job in a company I had been working for for 10 years. It's a good job that provided me with good growth opportunities, but things started to derail quite a bit in the end. Due to my experience, I could see the bad decisions being made by new leaders that didn't really understand the job. Influenced by extreme ownership, I tried for about one year to make it my responsibility to tactfully and respectfully show management what I believed were the right courses of action. I had a good reputation and I supported my and I supported my ideas with data and research but was still unsuccessful. I pushed and had candid conversations with my leaders to no effect. Obviously, my con- communication was not effective enough, but after 1 year I didn't know how else to approach it. I decided that one thing left for me to do was quit. And hopefully that would send a message. So I put a plan in place, learned how to build my resume, and got better in interviewing. And about eight months later, I landed my dream job. I do not regret my decision at all. But I still wonder, was quitting a weak move because I could not figure out how to influence my leaders? Or was it the right thing to do because after I've exhausted all possibilities, the one thing left to do was to quit rather than staying and turning a a blind eye? Is there a time when taking ownership means quitting? Thanks. Yeah. Yep. So, um, again, this is a question that we ask a lot or answer a lot. Yeah. Yes. There is time. And well, okay. First of all, let me say this. It's a very similar answer to firing a subordinate. 
because I've got Echo, he works for me, he's one of my guys, I wanna be a good leader, I train him, I mentor him, and he still doesn't meet the standard. So I train him and mentor some more, he still doesn't meet the So I train him and mentor some more, he still doesn't. So I try a different approach and I try, you know, having someone else teach him and having, assign him a mentor besides me, because maybe I'm not doing a great job and he still doesn't meet the standard. I've, so I make as much effort as reasonably can, he's not able to do his job and I have to fire him. I've exhausted my capabilities and my options in squaring Echo away. And it didn't work and eventually I have to take ownership of the fact that, hey, this is, this is my team and he is hurting the team and I've made multiple attempts and it's not working so I need to take ownership of removing him from the team. Same thing, up the chain of command. I'm at a company, it sounds, this is exactly the situation you're in. The leadership's making bad decisions. You've done everything in your power. And eventually, you can't, you've exhausted your options. And you can see that they're heading in the wrong direction. You maybe do one final thing. And it sounds like the final thing you're doing is, hey, hey, the reason I'm leaving is because this. I wish you'd made better decisions here. Here's my fear of what's going to happen. I tried to make this known. And for that reason, I've now, you know, I'm moving on to a different company. I wish you the best of luck, that type of thing. And that hopefully that squares them away. And if it doesn't, well, that's uh, gonna be bad for them. Um, you know, I actually have a section in Leadership Strategy and Tactics which is called When to Quit. And it's it's a short section about a barricaded shooter which means basically a, a, a shooter in a bunker, an enemy shooter with a machine gun in a bunker at the end of a hallway. And the SEAL leadership keeps sending SEALs down the hallway and they all keep getting killed. And they send two more, they get killed. Send two more, they get killed. Send two more, they get killed. And they pile up in the hallway. And what they should actually do is like, this isn't working, we need to do something else. You gotta know when to quit. And so the difference between quitting, quitting means like, oh, we'll never make it, and you just lay down, right? Mm. <laughs> you know, quitting is, oh, this, this, this job isn't working out, I give up, and you go on unemployment. <laughs> That's quitting. That's quitting on life. We're not doing that. You're quitting. You're not quitting. You're adjusting your tactics. You're adjusting your strategy. You're adjusting the the path that you're on, so that you can so that you can move forward towards your ultimate goals of being a successful human being. It wasn't going to happen there, so now you're going to go somewhere where it can happen. That's not quitting. That's making adjustments. Um, you know, did Apple computers adjusted? from just making computers to making phones too. Did that mean they quit? No, they just opened up another line of operations. Um, there's companies that make adjustments like that. There's companies that don't, like BlackBerry. BlackBerry wanted to keep making a big ass freaking keyboard. Blockbuster kept trying to rent us videotapes, right? <laughs> they didn't make adjustments. They didn't know when to quit. It was time to quit making little keyboards on the phones. It was time to quit trying to rent me videotapes. They didn't quit, guess what? They're bankrupt. So, yeah, you shouldn't quit in a, you shouldn't quit on your strategic goals, but you might have to quit on some tactical or operational zones that you're in because they're not freaking working. You did the right thing. Got your dream job? Go get after it, man. Yes, I'm trying to figure out the like, what's the technical difference, yeah. So it's like basically if, if it's like you just essentially, like you said, like give up and then now whatever goal that you may or may not have had is like you're no longer pursuing it. Yep. I give up. I quit. Yep. Yep. But if you still have a goal that may, in this case, it's even bigger goal where he has his dream job now rather than just like mere like communicating with certain specific people. Yeah. He now has a better job. Yeah. Like that's yeah. even a better goal. Yeah. And 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 quitting would infer that you're giving up on your dream. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not saying, hey, it looks like this way of getting to the dream is not going to work. I have to go a different way. That's the thing that like eh, one of the reasons we talk about in SEAL training, we mm. talk about quitting mm. is because when you quit SEAL training, you gave up on your dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's just what, what yeah. just happened. Yeah. You dreamt, you dreamt of being a SEAL. When you quit, you're not gonna be a SEAL anymore. Yeah. You gave up on your dream, you quit on your dream. Now if you're uh, 
playing basketball and you want to play in the NBA and you realize that you didn't get drafted, right? And okay, well, what am I going to do? Well, I guess I'm going to go play in Europe for a while. Mm -hmm. Can I get picked up? Okay, got picked up for team. Okay. My dream is to play basketball. It might be, my dream might be to get in the NBA. I didn't make it. Do I give up? You know what? I'm just going to freaking fall off the deep end. No. Mm -hmm. What can I do productive? Okay, so maybe I maybe I become a coach, become an awesome coach. Quitting would be, you know, I'm just going to drink myself yeah, to death. Screw or basketball. Yeah, screw basketball. No, like you might have to even adjust your vision, because if my vision was to play in the NBA and I'm not quite good enough, now it looks like I'm going to play in Europe, or now it looks like I'm going to become a a coach, or now it looks like I'm going to run camps. I got to adjust my goal a little bit because my goal is I wasn't capable of doing it. Remember our situation, we had a situation where it, where it seemed, you even called it a DOR, but we had to pivot and we did it and we got it done. So we were making a video and there was a certain outcome we were kind of going for that day oh. that like as we would pursue making, doing the next shot and planning the next it shot, didn't it, make sense. the viability seemed to diminish. I actually used the term DOR. DOR, yeah, yeah. exactly. Because we're trying to figure out, no, we'll do it this way. No, nah, but that wouldn't make sense. You're like all this stuff. And you, <laughs> I could feel it though. I could feel it in both of us. None yep. of us wanted to be like, "Hey, this isn't going to work." Cuz yep. we're really we're trying, trying to push to get we're that thing done. Trying to make that thing work. And, and you were like, "Hey, if you're not feeling this, like, let's let's not do this." And then I was like, "No, no, no, I can do it. I can do it." And then like, literally when you said it, you opened my mind up yeah. to like, "Hey, let, I cuz I told myself I can I can do it. I'll yep. follow it." But then when you said that, I was like, hey, "This is going to be bad." This is not the idea of the um, the concept, should I say, of it not being viable, really like was clear at mm. that point. I was like, ah. And then anyway, <laughs> we were done, and I was like, no, 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 we'll do it. You know, another time, we'll switch some stuff. We'll 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 uh, we'll change like the the concept or whatever. Mm. So when we were wrapping up, you're like, hey, I'm. He was like, hey, props on you to try to stick it out. I'm the one who offered up the DOR. <laughs> <laughs> and what we did was yep. we ended up making different a different couple of videos yep. that actually were pretty awesome. Worked pretty good. Yes, worked pretty damn good. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. But that I know at the time it felt like we were kind of quitting. Not we overall. Tried, dude. I mean, we were there for what, four hours, five hours, trying to get a- With no progress. Yeah, it was Very just hurting. Little. It yeah. was hurting. But it, f it did feel like it for a second, even though the big picture, of like course. Like DORing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no, we definitely DORed, but yeah. big picture, dude, that would have been a whack video. Yeah, I think that's what this guy's feeling. Cause it's oh, like- no, he's gonna be good to go. Oh yeah, at, yeah. Oh, big picture, big yeah. picture, of course. But I think that that, little part of it that same thing we were feeling at yep. the time bro our the result was way better yeah, than even the original like yeah. goal or whatever S same deal for him sometimes the barricaded shooter guys like the leader would be like dude uh, uh, they'd feel bad yeah that we didn't take the objective Couldn't make that happen yeah, right there like, yeah. bro you just lost 16 of your guys yeah that's the problem yeah. so yep so, yeah. cool good deal no one to quit great deal and actually. know what quitting actually is yeah next question good evening jocko echo I'm in a middle leadership position on a fire crew and have what I think is an interesting problem. We have a popular guy, quote unquote, popular guy time on the crew that influences others in a negative way, but is very likable. I had a rocky start with them, with them, but earned a little leadership capital and things were going well until my supervisor called out a person on the crew for not wearing proper PPE for a task when they were no longer in that area of work. I happened to be the last person over with said person before they were called out. Handing out treats for good work earlier in the day. Now, they think I'm a snitch when I didn't say anything at all and actually didn't even see whether or not they were wearing the proper PPE or not to even report it in the first place. Nor do I know how my supervisor even knew. But the popular guy, quote unquote popular guy, assumes that the only way that could have happened is if I said something and it's now actively trying to undermine me. I've talked to the person about it, but they don't believe me and I did not say anything. How do I go about solving this problem? I'm truly at a loss. Thank you for your help and wish. Uh, okay, so uh, first of all, um, this is a tough question for me to understand just from like a syntax version here, like just from the way it's written. 
uh, I, I apologize. Um, you know, it's until my supervisor called out a person on the crew for not wearing proper PPE for a task when they were no longer in that area of work. I don't have any idea what that means. Yeah. Like, I, I gathered what it meant. Like, I, I, I kind of gathered what it meant. But again, when you start trying to answer a question mm-hmm. and it says, I happen to be the last person over with said person before they were called out, like they were called out handing out treats for good work earlier in the day? Like, what does this mean? Yeah, I don't know about the treats part. And then I've talked to the person about it, which person, like the likable guy, like, so so basically I apologize. I'm not really sure, I'm not 100% sure the context of the question. And by the way, a good thing to do, just a lesson learned, if you write something like this, read it aloud to yourself. Mm. Because when you read stuff aloud, you you can sometimes hear what it well, you can hear that maybe it's not going to be that well understood. Um, now that all that being said, like you, I can kind of gather what happened. You know, he's basically they think he's a rat. Right. The popular guy thinks he's a rat because he saw something, and they think that that the writer of this note ratted the team out. So the popular guy ratted this guy out no, for ra- no, ratting. No. Yes, yes. The popular guy is probably spreading the word right, right. that, hey, freaking uh, Fred over here is a rat. Right. He yeah. told on us for the PP. Yeah. Meanwhile, Fred doesn't even know if he had PP on or not. He right. doesn't even know. He wasn't even there yet. Okay, so, what, so with that, I think we figured it out. Um, what I would probably do in this situation is work hard. I'd probably work hard. I'd probably support the team. I'd probably help out. I'd probably rebuild these relationships, and I would probably let the rumors over time die and get overridden by the fact that I'm working out hard and I'm supporting the team. Um, might you say something? You know, might you say, uh, hey, I'm not a rat and I didn't say anything. There's the uh, classic Shakespeare Hamlet quote that gets thrown a lot, around a lot. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. Mm. Which is like, hey, that wasn't me. Right. And and you can slide into that real quick. And again, you can slide in that real quick without being aware of it, mm. without realizing that you're protesting too much. Um, I lean towards letting it go and moving on and continuing to work hard and building those relationships. Make the likable guy look good, right? Work hard, support him when he's making a call on something cool. Hey, let me help you out. Uh, Leif's wife, Jenna, she has a, a good phrase when it comes to like when news comes out, like bad news comes out about something. Mm-hmm. Don't give the story oxygen, mm-hmm. which is a which means just oh yeah, you know, uh, hey everyone at the gym is saying you know Echo, Echo is going through people's lockers, taking their discipline. Go. Right, and you know it's not true. Mm-hmm. And instead of you being like, "Yeah, I just want to make an announcement. I didn't touch anyone's." Dip. Like, no, I just be like, "Hey, dude, I didn't do it." So yeah. I'm just gonna carry on. I'm not gonna give the story oxygen. Yeah. Hey, were you saying that I took? You know what I mean? I got all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I would lean towards not giving the story oxygen. I would lean towards just working hard. I would lean towards supporting the team, helping out, building relationships trying to confront people, trying to go at them and t- like set everyone straight. It just, you know, and I would, honestly, when it came up, I'd kind of shrug it off like, hey, I didn't say anything about that. You know, I wouldn't be like, you know, I actually, I'm not a tattle. I would just be like, hey, I don't know where they got that from. It wasn't me. I, but I wouldn't get engaged in these big arguments because it's just not worth it, man. It's just not worth it. And it's it, it's a small thing that over time, people will be like, oh yeah, dude, Echo's not a rat, you know? Fred's not a rat, mm-hmm. he's one of us. Um, so that's what I'm thinking. And you know, the other thing is like, you also, interestingly, when things, you know, there's there's rules that you go, you know what, this rule's not worth, it, worth enforcing, right? Oh, you know, the guy, you're supposed to be wearing your PPE up to 28 minutes after you've left the, the area, mm. regardless of where what your proximity is. And you're like, oh, this rule actually doesn't make sense. So I'm not going to waste a bunch of leadership capital trying to enforce it. Mm. Right? You also have to be careful that, oh, is this, a, is this a crew or a situation or a team where there's a little bit of test to see how much we can get away with, you know? Like a training day scenario. 
right? In training day, it starts off with really small things, right? He's just kind of like, yeah. oh, you're going to little violation, yeah. another little violation, another yeah. little violation. Yeah. So just be careful. Mm. And I don't think, it doesn't sound like the, uh, what was the, a task, not wearing proper PP for a task when they were no longer in the area of work. To me, that sounds like, oh, we're, we're rigging this, we're rigging this uh, rappel line. Mm. And the rules say when you're rigging rappel, rappel line, you have to have your helmet on. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'm done with my part of the rigging. I'm gonna walk over across the street and you know sit in the truck for a little while. And so as you're walking across the street, you take off your helmet. Mm-hmm. And someone's like, hey, hey, you know, Fred wasn't wearing his helmet. Yeah, yeah. See what I'm saying? So that's, hey, there's rules, but you gotta know when the rules actually don't make sense. And it sounds like this was actually a person that was getting in trouble for violating a rule when it didn't make the make sense to follow the rule. So let's not get crazy. <laughs> let's not worry about it too much. Keep 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 building relationships and you're gonna be all right. This stuff will this stuff will blow over. You know, it's always we always feel like we're the center of attention. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we go home thinking they all think I'm a rat. Actually, no one else is thinking yeah, about yeah, it. They're you know thinking I mean? about it right now. They're I thinking about it right now. Yeah. No, they're not. Yeah. They're thinking about like well, what's for dinner, mm. which is actually what I'm thinking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, I think it's elk actually, yeah. which is a beautiful thing. So, so there you go, man. Okay. Um, let don't don't give the story any oxygen. Keep building relationships. You're gonna be all right. Bro, this would bother me a lot. This one, this one mm. would eat at me a little bit. Okay. Because you know the kind where like you know. The tattletale dude, especially mm-hmm. for something that's like, eh, you know, it doesn't even benefit nobody kind of a scenario. And then now everyone thinks you're like a tattletale when you didn't do it. You yeah. know, it's kind of like being accused. Of, I don't know. It feels like it would haunt me. A little yeah, bit. I would probably go to the guy, the the guy who fi- what is PPE, by the way, personal protective equipment, you know, uh. Gla- glasses, yeah, ear protection, yeah. helmet, yeah. Uh, f- uh, vest, gotcha. you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, so yeah, I you feel like the guy, you could, you know, and again, it's also always hard if I have no idea what that relationship looks like. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. And yeah, if the relationship, if you're, if you're like, hey, man, he's the popular guy, he's a little bit negative, and I go, I go, hey, hey, Echo, dude, I know you think I did this. I didn't see what was going on, man. I have no idea, and I don't care if anyone's wearing PPE once they're done with the job. Shit, I missed it. What? So the popular guy isn't the guy who wasn't wearing his PPE, no, right? It was, no, it was a different dude. A different okay, dude. so I, I would feel like I'd have to go to the, the guy, the other, not the popular the dude guy. Dude, who got busted. Yes, and be like, and just hey, I didn't say it, and that's all. Because just like whether well, the doff protest too much yeah. or whatever, it feels like you're like, I'm not a tattletale. Yeah. I'm not. You start going down that road and totally. be like, okay, Brad, like Brad, calm down. It's not even yeah. that deep. So yeah. you, you kind of seem guilty or whatever, but. I, this is just me. I don't yeah. know. I'm I'm not a very secure uh, person when it comes to these matters. Rats. You know, being you know accused of something I didn't do or whatever. Especially when the group all like, it's kind of a like behind your back kind of scenario. You know, because it, it also. I'm just. I'm glad you brought this up. I'm very glad you brought this up because it also indicates that where you are with the team is not in the best possible spot. All right, like if it's right, a question. Like, yeah, yeah, like all of a sudden, like this just didn't, there could be scenarios where this like all of a sudden turned the team, but you know how many times I got accused of being a rat? Zero. <laughs> you know what I mean? No one's like, well, I think Jocko was the one. No, mm. it's like, hey man, if I see something that I don't think is cool, I'm not telling the boss, I'm telling you. I'm like, hey Echo, dude, you gotta put your PPE on. Come on, man, I don't want you to get hurt, right? So, so you might need to check yourself and make sure that you have good relationships with everybody, that they understand who you are, what you stand for, that you're not a rat. You also wanna make sure that, and this is like a, a great example of, hey, I want you to know I'm not a rat. I also want you to know if you do something stupid that puts our safety in jeopardy, I'm gonna talk to you about it. Yeah. You know, like that's what we're doing. That's, what, that's who I am. So make sure that as much as we're talking about the popular guy and the undermining and how it could be the popular guy's fault, what are we doing different? What am I doing different? What relationships am I lacking? How am I behaving that people would think I'm a freaking rat? You know, are you talking to people? Are you helping people? Are you supporting people? Dude, if you help me out, if you, Echo Charles, if you help me out seven days in a row, nine days in a row, you're giving me a hand, rolling up the hose, right? I'm, I'm putting away the hose. You're like, hey, let me give you a hand. Boom, you help me out. 
Uh, hey, l- let's uh, let's do. I'll, I'll help you with the, the truck inspection. Cool. We're back. Hey, you need help refueling this thing? I got you. Mm-hmm. Am I gonna think you're a rat when the time comes? No. Yeah. No. So let's build better relationships. Let's be a team player. Let's let's conform to influence. Go to leadership strategy and tactics. Read the section called conform to influence. Be part of the team. And this is again, this is a this is a possibility in the scenario. So I'm glad that you made me go a little bit deeper on that one. Yeah. And that that's so true, huh? Like when you think about the actual scenario where it's like compete and I, then again, I don't know. I don't know the 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 magnitude of the exercise where you know, being called out for not wearing the protective yeah. equipment, where it's like, how big of a deal is that? You know, because you know how like, in a t- okay, what's the difference between like a tattletale and someone who's really like going to the proper authorities for the certain, and I'm saying with kids, because this is where I come, it's confronted. So um, like, if my son is like, hey, dad, you know, you're sit or if I, if Kyra comes to me, and he says, Hey, Presley said a swear word. That's kind of a tattletale, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, right. She's not, you know, that's, but if she's like, Hey, like she's hurting me and I can't, she's way bigger than me mm-hmm. and she's hurting me and I want her to stop. That's not tattletale. It's like, that's like something that, you know, she shouldn't be doing. She knows that, you know, it's for a specific reason. There's a difference between tattletale. So is this PPE equipment scenario, a tattle scenario? It sounds like a little bit because the guy, but you know, look, there's rules. Like I said, there's rules, but yeah. there's also rules like, hey, that person wasn't even by the rigging anymore. Yeah. He was across the street. Yes, he was there five yeah. minutes ago. He was done with his part. He walked across the street, took his helmet off. Right. Hey, I'm going to send that up the chain yeah. of command. Yeah. Echo wasn't wearing his PPE, yes. even though he was part of that work party. Yes. And so, all of a sudden you look like, yes, that's a tattletale. Okay, so perfect. So. And that you bring up a good point where you're like, hey, what are you doing for them to think that you're a rat? So like, okay, this guy's like, hey, he told, like, if you did a tattle, if someone said, hey, Jocko tattled on you, like a tattletale straight mm-hmm. up, I'd be like, no, he didn't. <laughs> exactly. Oh, there's like no reason for Jocko yeah. to do that, you know. But you get a guy who it's like, mm, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe he did. He did something or failed to yeah. do something probably a bunch of times to make him get entertained as the tattler. You totally. see what I'm saying? Usually, obviously, you know, look, there's many, probably millions of exceptions to this, of course, but generally speaking, it feels like that's kind of the case. You're right. Could be the case. Could be the case. Yeah. Let's look at ourselves and see what we can do better. Yeah. You ever, um, instead of blaming the popular guy, yeah. quote unquote. I kind of smell that we don't really like the popular guy, too. Well, when not we, we qu- but him. when we, we put like quotes him. around it, right? Yeah. When, yeah, even the pop, the term popular guy. I guess you can't you can say the was like, oh, dude, this guy, real popular guy with his platoon. Like you'd be like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Or he's like, oh, he's the popular guy. It's, it's like the good neighbor, right, or whatever. Well, no, this is negative connotations of the way it's being said. Yeah, but isn't good neighbor in your guys' community? It's kind of the same thing, or no? That's that's a legitimate like backhanded insult. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, he's he'd be a good neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you would never say like. Oh, he would be a great neighbor and like mean it right, in that right. way. You know, Same thing with popular guy. The way he used it, I mean. The way he used it. But yeah, you yeah. could use it and say, oh man, he's a real, real popular guy yeah, on the team yeah, yeah. or whatever. You ever um heard it's not the it's not an expression. But you know how like a guy that's the story I heard was like a guy from like a foreign country or something. Mm-hmm. And he was so honest, maybe a Russian dude, I think. And he was like always honest. He'd be like, hey, like like your arm's too skinny, like that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, right? It'll work. If he would give you a, but um, he would tell you if something's wrong with you, like, oh, you have boogers in your nose, like so easily he would tell you, like, if even if you don't want to hear it, like if it's hard to deliver news, he don't care, right? But the good news about that guy is if he gives you a compliment, you know it's for real. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Because so he has that integrity across the board, no matter <laughs> what. It's kind of, you're kind of like that, where you you won't tattle on nobody. Like, bro, if I need to tell yeah, I'll just tell or you. Put it this way: I'll never do something behind your back because if you need to, if you, if I have something to say about you, I'll just tell it to you directly. And a lot of times people say that in this like, because they're like, um, they'll say things that are mean directly to your face. So they don't. I don't mean it in that way. I mean in a way where like you're so open in that way, where it's like the integrity of the whole scenario is important enough. Where like, yeah, even if it's bad news, I'll deliver the bad news. You know. Where I don't have to like sneak behind your back and make sure no one knows that I said it, kind of a thing. See what I'm saying? It's kind of the same same concept. We want to form good relationships with the people on our team. <laughs> Consistently. 
Next question. Hello, Jocko. Wanted to know how to not self-sabotage the relationships in my life. I always try to make one person happy while upsetting others. I recently left my brother out to dry when he was going through a lot of stuff. I feel terrible about it, and upon, but upon further reflection, I realize that it's ba- it's a bad cycle that I always seem to be caught in, caught in where I do one thing for someone and hurt another, never on purpose. I feel as though I never have a set of priorities. I feel an incredible amount of self-loathing, and I can't stand to look at myself right now. If you have any wise words to help me better myself, I'd love to hear them. Thanks for all that you do. Um, th- this question, again, when you write these questions, read them aloud and make sure that they make sense, or re- at least read through them in your head aloud. Make sure that this is a little bit hard to understand. Is it because... And again, I apologize, we'll work through it, but the question starts to ask about self-sabotage, right? But the question ends up being about helping one person which causes pain to someone else. That's the question. It doesn't even really have anything to do with self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you hurt a relationship with somebody that's, that's because you're trying to help somebody else. So it's hard to understand that part of it without a little bit of context of what's happening. Who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? From whose perspective, right? You got two friends that are got something going on. One of them thinks they're right. Both of them think they're right. Who's actually right? Who are you to judge who's actually right? Sometimes you can say, yeah, you know what? This guy is definitely the right one and this person screwed up. Um, but what I, th- so, so you, you say that you don't have priorities and I think that's a hint of what is going on here. But what I think what you're missing here more than priorities is I think you're missing some kind of values or a code of some kind to guide your actions. And you likely already know what these things are and the reason I know that is because you actually feel bad right now. So you have violated some sort of values that you have, you violated them and that's why you feel bad. So you kind of know what you believe, you kind of know what your values are, but what I think you need to do is actually kind of codify them in some way, which what I mean by that is actually write down what you believe. Write down what you believe. If your brother had been wronged by someone else and you knew it, but you supported the other person, of course you're gonna feel guilty. And you probably should. In fact, I think that's some, that's kind of a positive thing that you feel guilty because you know you made a mistake, you made a bad judgment. If, real simple, if one of your friends stole money from one of your other friends and you covered for the thief, you would feel guilty and you should. If you don't feel guilty, well, then you're jacked up. But the fact is here, you feel guilty. You can't look at yourself in the mirror. So there's a whole thing, a bunch of things that can happen that you actually know are wrong. A whole bunch of things that you know are wrong. You know you left your brother out to dry. Well, how the hell did that happen? So you're gonna have to take a moment to identify what these things are that you know are wrong and did not support those things anymore. And uh, like write yourself a code Codes are things that keep us in line in families and societies and communities and in, in teams, right? Uh, here's a code, the Ten Commandments. There's some basic principles in there. And, and straight up from the, the Warrior Kid books. The Warrior Kid books, I talked about this. The Ranger Creed, the Seven Virtues of Bushido, the Seal Code, the Viking Laws, the U.S. Army Warrior Ethos. The Code of Chivalry for Knights of the Middle Ages. I put all those in the way of the warrior kid. And they all will give you guidance of what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And those, those codes that I put in the book were codes that were meant to guide how warriors live. So that warriors don't make mistake and end up having to go look themselves in the mirror and say, I dishonored my flag. I, I let down my teammate. Why, why, why do SEALs and military people all say the worst fear I have is letting down my team? What kept you going? Oh, because I didn't want to let down my teammates. There's like a code there that people don't violate. So it sounds to me like you need something similar here, some kind of a code to live by. 
or a code to make sure that you're supporting the right people in life. And again, I don't, this is not a huge, crazy assignment that I'm giving you to like create this. You actually already know. That's why you feel bad. You know, I should not never leave someone behind, right? I'll never leave a man behind. That's, that's a code. What does that tell you? If Echo goes down, I'm going to go and freaking get him. That's what's happening. And if I don't do it, I'm going to feel guilt. But luckily, see, if I didn't have that code, if it was just like, oh, we never really talked about that, and then Echo goes down and I'm looking at him, but I'm like getting away, <laughs> saving my own ass, I feel guilty. I feel horrible. But if I have that code, all of a sudden, hey, he's doing, he's down. I'm going to go get him. Uh, I don't support thieves. If you steal something, you're not my friend. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm probably gonna. T- you're gonna know that about me. I was gonna say I'd tell you, but I don't think I'd walk around like, hey, I don't, I don't. But yeah. after a little while, you're looking at me. You're like, oh yeah, I'm not stealing anything. I mean, the jocko would just like call me out immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't support thieves. I'm not gonna treat people with disrespect. You've been around somebody when they're disrespecting someone and you have to be like, hey, dude, back off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just disrespecting someone. Like you're out, one of your friends is drunk, walking down the street, you know, he sees a, a normal couple, civilians, you know, a nice guy with his girlfriend. Oh, you know, why are you with him? It's like, hey, dude. Mm-hmm. Hey, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, you're a jack. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah. So we're not allowing that kind of thing. So that's where you're at. You gotta write some stuff down, man, or you gotta go look up the warrior ethos. Look at the 10 commandments. Look at the, the, the seven virtues of the Bushido. Look, go look at those things and figure out like, okay, this is the kind of thing I'm gonna live by. And therefore, when somebody starts to steal or cheat or lie about stuff, I'm gonna be like, hey, you know what? That's not cool. And here's the good thing. Here's a really positive thing. You have a strong conscience. Right, you, you have a strong conscience, which is evident in the fact that you feel guilty about the scenario. Mm. You know that you've made some mistakes. That's actually good. It's good. You can learn from that so that you don't make them again. Set some standards. And I think it's good to actually set the standards by writing them down. Go, go get the freaking warrior kid book. Go get the warrior kid book. Read the warrior kid code. That's actually a great place to start, right? Add to it, you're an adult. Look at some of the other codes in life, in history, and figure out how you're gonna live. Set some standards. And then when a tough decision comes along, review the standards and make a decision based on what the standards are in that scenario. Then you end up doing the right thing. And over time, you're gonna build your values, you're gonna rebuild your self-respect, and you're gonna become a upstanding human being, which is awesome. And with that, uh, thanks everybody for joining us. We appreciate it. We appreciate you supporting. Look, everything. JockoFuel.com, JockoStore.com, OriginUSA.com. Hey, thank you. Thank you for supporting this underground zone that we're in right now. Hanging out. Trying together, all of us, to be a little bit better. And until next time, Zeko and Jocko.